If you have your Bible handy, once again, let's turn to Psalm 128. Let me read just the first verse as we begin together today. Psalm 128, verse 1, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and that walketh in his ways. Let's pray together, shall we? We'll ask God's blessing now in our our time around God's Word. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful once again to have uh, Bibles so free and so plentifully available to us here in America. We know, Lord, that uh, even though we're not able to be together at church after the normal fashion, it certainly hasn't hindered the opportunity that we have to meet with you daily uh, for the Word of God, for our personal worship. And uh, even now, Lord, as we gather around in the virtual sense for our worship today, we can have Bibles and we can look into the Bible and we can preach the Bible And we thank you that we can have all confidence as as we do so that what we are reading, what we are preaching, and what we are sharing are the eternal counsels of the living God, because we read in thy word forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And so I pray, Lord, that you will bless our time today in Psalm 128, for I pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, as you know, we recently began a series of messages entitled, Trees with a Message. They have to do with the trees of the Bible, but today, of course, is Mother's Day, so I certainly wanted to give special attention to that. And yet, in a sense, we're not really too far off of the idea of trees, at least the psalm certainly touches upon them in verse number three, where two figures are used that concern either a vine or a tree. Look, for example, at verse three, once again, it says, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants or olive shoots, round about thy table. So we're not too terribly far off because because one of the metaphors that the psalm uses has to do with the type of thing that we're talking about, trees with a message. In fact, in the broader sense, once you look at Psalm 128 and you discern the fact that its theme is the blessings of God, then we can actually make an analogy with what the psalm does to something else that has to do with trees. Um, Ever cut a tree? I'm sure a lot of the men have done this, and if uh, the ladies haven't necessarily been tree cutters, uh, pretty much everyone has seen this. You've seen a picture in a science textbook, or you've seen an actual tree when it was cut. And what do they have when you look inside? They have rings, concentric rings, and they spread ever outward, of course, as the tree grows. Well, that's sort of like the structure of this psalm. Its theme is the blessings of God. Let me uh, me call that to your attention. If you look at verse uh, number one, it says, blessed is the man. So there's the word blessed. In verse two, it says, thou shalt be Thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy, of course. And this is also the word blessed. Happy shalt thou be. In verse four, behold, that thus shall the man be blessed. And there's the word again. And in verse five, the Lord shall bless thee. So this scene, this psalm has to do with God's blessings, but in the unfolding of the psalm, it's very much like those concentric rings of a tree's growth, ever broadening, ever expanding. Here's what I mean by that, because we can notice three of those ever expanding blessings or ideas of blessings in the psalm today. First of all, there are blessings within. That is to say, in verses 1 through 2, blessings within, we're talking about verses that are ours individually, verses, uh, blessings that are ours uh, as individuals. And then you can add another ring. 
And the psalm ever expands now to take in not just personal blessings that we have, but blessings at home. And that's, of course, very apropos for today. And finally, in another ever-expanding ring, like the concentric rings of the growth of a tree, the psalm speaks of blessings in worship. So think about this, ever-expanding rings. I call the message today, because of this analogy, rings of blessing. The first ring being rings within, blessings within, I'm sorry, blessings within, and then blessings at home, and ultimately uh, blessings in worship. Well, let's take a look at this inmost ring, this first ring in the heart of the tree, blessings within. As I've mentioned already, these blessings are personal. Do you notice the way the language is put together? Blessed is everyone. That's, of course, an individual phrase. Everyone as in each of us. Makes us think of ourselves not corporately, but individually. Blessed is each. Blessed is everyone. Then, if you notice the pronouns in verse number four, even though, of course, the King James is using the old uh, Elizabethan-style English, English, you notice thou, you notice thine, you notice thou. Those are, of course, uh, the singular forms of the second person pronoun you. So, and then really, you can follow this all the way through the psalm. The psalm begins by speaking about the blessings of God to each of us as individuals. And where do those blessings begin? It's interesting to see exactly where those blessings begin. You will note that they begin exactly where wisdom begins. Here are a couple of verses to think about this. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 says the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And where do these individual blessings begin? What does the psalmist say? He said, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. They begin exactly where wisdom begins. They begin with the fear of the Lord. Now, how do we make this practical? What, what does this in, in our day-to-day lives really mean? Well, it certainly means that each of us as an individual needs to begin, needs to see the beginning of God's blessings in our lives with the fear of the Lord. And what is that? The beginning of that, of course, is when we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and we have a personal relationship with him through faith in Christ. I want to emphasize that at the outset today because, you know, in common grace, it's certainly true that God blesses many people who do not know him. But I think you're going to see, as we look into this a little bit more, particularly with the blessings that the psalmist enumerates, those types of blessings are uniquely the province of God's children. Let's see what he talks about. So in verse number two, he broadens this out a little bit and tells us three areas of these personal blessings that we enjoy and of which knowing the Lord and being rightly related to him is the key. First of all, it says that God blesses our labors. Now, your labor might be different from someone else, but you spend a lot of time with what you do. Notice in verse number two, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. My wife always likes to talk about the fact that a woman's work is never done. And so whether you ladies today actually work outside the home or you work in the home, it makes no difference. The labor of your hands is is a very personal thing to each of us. And we, of course, want to see God's blessing upon that. We, we don't want to see it 
be something that's in vain. And apart from the Lord, sometimes that's the way it can be. In fact, the psalmist makes this exact point right across the page in Psalm 127 and verse 2. You notice there when you look, it says in verse number 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build. And so many times we think of the work of ladies as home builders. Not that the husband doesn't contribute to that, that, but uniquely women are home builders. And many women, of course, do this uh, just according to the wisdom of this world. But when we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, and when we have that personal relationship with him, then we find that we come to God in prayer and we find that we invoke God's blessing because he is a part of all this. He's involved with what we do. He sanctifies what we do on behalf of our husband and on behalf of our children. He sanctifies those things so that that labor comes becomes sacred to us. So much of it, isn't it true, often seems mundane. What's more mundane than doing the laundry? What's more mundane than washing the clothes? And yet, This is something that God sets apart, that God blesses, that God hallows, and that God recognizes and and puts his particular blessing upon when we think about the home. Here's another area that he mentions. He says, happy shalt thou be. Well, the word happy is blessed, but happy is also a translation that's used frequently uh, in the Bible for this word. Happy. Did you ever think about personal happiness? Did you ever think about the fact that there are so many people out in life, they don't know the Lord, and they give one appearance, but it doesn't take a lot of discernment to figure out that they're just not happy. They just don't have any real source of inner happiness and joy in their lives. Well, who is the key to that? Well, knowing the Lord is the key to that. The Lord brings joy to us. Joy, in fact, we're told is a fruit of the Spirit. And David, for example, when he had fallen into sin and when he got into that trouble over Bathsheba and his fellowship with the Lord was broken, one of the things that he prayed in Psalm 51 when he was reflecting on this was that God would restore unto him the joy of his salvation. Things just aren't right when we're not right with the Lord, but when we're right with the Lord, we enjoy personal happiness. And then uh, I like the last phrase, this third aspect of these personal blessings that the psalmist talks about and that helps us to see how knowing the Lord and the fear of the Lord is really the key to this. God is the key to all of our blessing because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So look at that phrase at the end of the verse, and it shall be well with thee. Now, you've probably interpreted correctly when you think about that. That's kind of a a general phrase. It shall be well with thee. But when you think about it, it's it's a phrase, a general phrase that we care a lot about. Because don't we want things to go well in our lives? Well, of course we do. And what's the key to that? The key to that really is knowing the Lord. And I take you back again to so many folks that maybe they have outward material prosperity, but they aren't really happy, and things don't really go well for them. And one of the things I think that really points out how God is the key to this, the fear of the Lord is the key to this, pardon me, is how God so often takes things that really don't seem like they're, when things don't seem like they're going well, and yet we know that God is involved with those things. How many times do we make use of a verse like, 
Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. God is the one who is able to weave, to make all things work in this complicated tapestry of life in which there are so many things that we just don't understand how that factors into the equation. We just don't understand how that could be good. And yet somehow God is able to make it for our good. He's able to overrule those things that don't seem to really be that way and many times later shows us that they were in fact his highest and best blessings for us even though we couldn't see it at the time. Now let me bring you back to my thought again. God is the key to all of this in our personal lives. All of these blessings that he's talking about. I really like the story about the little boy that was so looking forward with anticipation to going to a birthday party and you know how that is. It's exciting. Little kids love that invitation. They get to go over to the house of their friends and, and have a, a, a great time. Well, the day, the day came for the party, and wouldn't you know, uh, a terrible blizzard came. The weather was horrible. The wind was blowing. The snow was falling in big, wet, heavy flakes. And the little boy's dad looked at him and said, son, he said, you know, I don't think you should go. It's not favorable weather outside today. Well, the little boy's face fell. He was deeply disappointed, and as little boys so often will do, and I'm sure little girls do this too, he began to importune his father. He'd be, oh, Dad, can I go? Oh, Dad, please, everything will be okay. You'll see. And after he did this for a few moments, he was greatly surprised when his dad said, okay, you can go. And so the little boy duly got his winter garb and packed up and coat and hat and all of that and set out, and he trudged through the snow, and he finally got to the house of his friend, walked up on the stoop, knocked on the door, and just as they opened the door to receive him to the party, he turned around and looked, and there was his dad turning around and going back home. You see, his dad had followed him the whole way. And beloved, you know that's exactly how it is in life. I think of this phrase once again, and it shall be well with thee. And one of the reasons that I know that's true is because God is always there. God is there in the inclement weather. God is there on the sunny days, on the days that are rainy and cold and windy. God is there. And of course, what is the key to that is the fear of the Lord. It's knowing the Lord as your personal Savior and walking with Him. And so, Rings of blessing begin with personal blessings, the blessings that are within, and that begins with the fear of the Lord. I hope you know the Lord today, and more than knowing the Lord, I hope the fear of the Lord also is characterizing your daily walk so that you're giving attention to staying in fellowship with him and walking with him and having that confidence that God is with you every step of the way and that God is blessing in your life. God is blessing the labor of your hands. God is blessing so that you enjoy personal happiness. God is blessing so that in general terms, it goes well, even when it doesn't seem to go well. Well, we need to hasten on because think again of the tree, rings of blessing, because now another year's growth comes and the ring expands because now the tree is bigger. So it's an expanding kind of a thing. And this is exactly the structure in the psalm because now the psalmist is thinking not just about blessings within, not just about personal blessings, but blessings in the home. 
When we think about life, of course, this is exactly the pathway that life typically tends to follow. Life progresses, and we get married, and a family ensues, and God adds another sphere, or if you will, another ring to our blessings. Verses 3 and 4 certainly deal with this. Thy wife shall be a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, and thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Well, we note once again, it's written from the man's perspective, but you know, this is a team. This is a husband and wife. And so as we grow up and we find that person that God has for us, we get married. And in the very beginning, what I sometimes like to jokingly refer to as BC, before children, we have each other. And we have the blessings that are spoken of figuratively here in our marriage. Do you notice it says here that the wife is likened unto a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house? Well, by the sides of thine house is interesting, and it's pretty easy to see why the translators might go with the idea of by the sides of thine house when you think about a vine, because typically vines are not inside, typically vines are outside, and you think of a trellis, or you, you even think of something like climbing ivy, and you've probably seen houses like this covered with these, and this is so often the way a vine is, so it's easy enough to picture why the translators would, would defer to that translation. However, one thing that's really interesting is, is that more literally, it's not by, it's in. This is kind of a technicality, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from, that I'm not making this up. See, when Hebrew wants to use a preposition, it's not a separate word so much like in English. By is a separate word. By the sides of thine house. In is a separate word. Well, Hebrew will do this by putting a prefix, often a single letter, on the front of the word. So when you look at this word that's translated by the sides of, it actually is the preposition that means in or within. And then you study out the word a little bit, and it can certainly have reference to sides or even extremities. But it can also have reference to within, that is, the inmost recesses. The word can also mean recesses. Well, now we have images of intimacy because when we think of putting this all together and we think of how this comes out, it comes out to the idea of within thy house, or the translation that we have that's closest to the King James is the New King James, and the rendering there is rather interesting. It says, the very heart of your house. So when we think of this again, now we, we begin to think of the image of intimacy. We're before children, the husband or, and the wife enjoy the relationship that God has given them within the privacy. We think of privacy within the privacy of their own homes. They share conversation, but they share intimacy also in the physical sense. And do you know it's interesting when you blend this thought with the idea of the vine? What, what imagery is involved with the vine? Well, if you go back to the book of Judges, and there's a verse there that's rather interesting because so often the vine and the product of the vine, the, the juice of the vine, is an image for joy or happiness. So verse 13, this is Jotham's parable, and it says in chapter 9, verse 13, And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine which cheereth 
God and man and go to be promoted over the trees. So we think of joy and happiness. And then if we go over to the book of Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 7, if you're turning in your Bible, I'd like to read a verse here because this is quite interesting. Uh, the bridegroom is speaking here to and of his bride. And in the seventh chapter and the eighth verse, eighth verse, he says, I said, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of the boughs thereof. Now also thy breasts shall be as clusters of the vine and the smell of thy nose like apples. Well, I don't have to become graphic here. You can understand what this language is speaking about and what this, what this language is meaning to portray that there within the home, the the husband and the wife are able to enjoy the intimacy of the relationship that God has given them. So first come blessings within. And I think this is precious. I think that we need to remember to celebrate marriage and the gifts that God gives us in marriage. We need to remember, for example, what the writer of the Hebrews says when he says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And so we realize that God has given marriage and all of its aspects, the physical aspects, the intimate aspects to us as part of his blessing, blessings within the home. But then we think of blessings beyond. So I don't have AD for this, which is Anno Domini, but I have AC, after children. And so this is what comes next, because in the course of things, not only do we grow up and we get married, generally speaking, this is what happens, but sooner or later, with the blessing of God, the marriage produces children. And the psalmist uh, deals with this when he says um, in Psalm 128 and verse 3, thy children shall be like olive plants round about thy table. Well, once again, it's a little bit difficult for us to picture the idea of a a tree inside the house, although sometimes we get small ones and they're usually artificial that we use for decorative purposes. Sometimes we do this at church. Makes a little bit more sense when you realize the idea here is not the tree itself by the word plants. It's not meant the tree itself, but what's meant is shoots. And so think about a tree in the springtime. Think about the olive tree and you have the fresh growth. You have the sprouts that come with new growth in the springtime. Children are like this. He says, around about the table, it's like the fresh growth, the, the, the young shoots, the new shoots. Children in their, in their youth, as they come into the home in their, in their younger years, like, like tender sprouts uh, of the tender shoots of the olive tree. And the psalmist is emphasizing that here once again, God is the key to blessing. Folks, I, I take you back again. First of all, we think about blessings within, and we realize that God is the key to that. But boy, we are talking now about a marriage and a home and children. And we're talking about the fact that, you know, many folks don't know the Lord and have that. And we look at the divorce rate in our country, and it's like one and two or more, and we see so many broken homes, and we see so many children without a father, and single parent situations, and all of these types of things, and it, it just causes us to understand that even though our Christian homes are not perfect, yet having the Lord, again, Psalm 127 verse 1, 
except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Having the Lord involved is really the key to blessing in our marriage and the key to blessing in our home and in the lives of our children. Someone put it this way, money will buy you a bed but not sleep, books but not brains, food but not appetite, finery but not beauty, a house but not a home, medicine but not, not health, luxuries but not culture, amusements but not happiness, religion but not salvation, and a passport to everywhere but heaven. Yes, money seems to do a lot of things for a lot of people, but money can't bring happiness. Money can't bring God's blessing. Only the Lord does that. And on this Mother's Day, I hope that we all can look back to the home that we have now, to the home that we were involved with as children. I know I think about our home, and you know, I, I guess maybe I would put it this way, salvation, so to speak, didn't hit right away. I didn't grow up in what was traditionally a Christian home. But in the late 50s, uh, my mom got saved. And I already had an older brother and two older sisters at that point. So obviously the very beginnings of our home didn't have these, these, we had nominal Christian values. We grew up, we were taught to go to church, but we didn't really have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. My mom was the first one. And then later on, um, uh, my brother got saved and I got saved and my dad got saved and one of my older sisters got saved. And, oh, it, we, we look back and we see how God has just blessed. And I think of the home that God has given me now. And I, my children are grown, like in so many of your cases. They're out of the home. But you know, the greatest treasure is to know that each of these, my two sons, my daughter, they know the Lord Jesus as personal Savior. I'm so thankful that God blessed our home. My wife and I didn't have a perfect home. We didn't always do everything right. We tried, but we make mistakes just like you. But we look back at God's immeasurable bounty and blessing on our lives and know that God, fearing the Lord, as it says in verse 4, behold that thus shall the man be blessed and the woman be blessed that feareth the Lord. We know that because of the Lord, these things have come to pass. Rings of blessing, thinking about the rings of a tree, that inmost one, blessings within. Another year's growth, so an expanding ring, blessings in the home. And another year's growth, the final one that we're going to see in the psalm as it's the rings of blessing, the ever-widening circle like ripples in a pond of God's blessing. And these are blessings in worship in verses 5 and 6. The verse says, The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, verse 5, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Zion, of course, the psalmist mentions Zion, and this, of course, helps us to remember that Psalm 128 is a song of ascents. I didn't say anything about this at the beginning. Song of ascents. Now, not cents in terms of a hundredth of a dollar. Ascents, A-S-C-E-N-T-S or as the, the superscription often is, a song of degrees. Well, as you know, these were this was a grouping of psalms. These were the psalms used by the pilgrims, uh, the worshipers, as they went to Jerusalem. 
Let me give you a case in point. We, we know that that story. It's really the only one that we have from Jesus' youth of when Jesus was 12 years old and uh, Joseph and Mary, they, they, they were living in Nazareth. They had to travel, but uh, they went to the Passover. They were, went as the pilgrims, undoubtedly in a, in a circle and gathering of their family and friends to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And so Zion makes us think about this because this is where the people of God gathered. And it makes us think about the pilgrim worshipers as they went to Jerusalem, perhaps for the Passover or one of the other feasts. Zion is the place to which the family using this psalm is traveling. And Zion is where the faithful gather to worship. It's in a special sense where God is. Psalm 44. 6 and verse 5 says, God is in the midst of her, speaking about Zion. God shall help her, and that right early. And so often in the Old Testament, we find this language, Zion, speaking of the, the people of God and where the people of God gather. In fact, ultimately, when you come to the New Testament, you come over to the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 12, you'll find that the New Testament picks up on this, this very same imagery. Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, if you're turning, just look down at verse number 22. He says, but ye are come unto Mount Zion. The, the writer to the Hebrews is drawing a comparison. He's not talking about Mount Sinai, to which the people of the Old Covenant went, but he's talking about Mount Zion and the heavenly Zion. He says, and are unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. And who else is in Zion? Not only God, not only an innumerable company of angels, but look, the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And we think beyond to, to what heaven is, Zion, and where God's people will gather completely one day in, in the eternal dwelling place of the people of God in the new Jerusalem. And so it's this sense that makes us think now about worship and the blessings that we have in the church. Well, let's think about our homes and let's think about our church. And so it is our normal custom, even though we've got all this coronavirus weirdness right now, it is our normal custom to gather. This is also what the book of the Hebrews is talking about when the writer in chapter 10 says that we're not to forsake the gathering of ourselves to get together as the manner of some is. And I think maybe one good thing to come out of this coronavirus is it focusing our attention and our minds on the fact that the, the, the church is the gathered people of God. Not that we can't worship personally, but the whole genius and wisdom of the church is that we gather. We gather for fellowship with each other, and we gather for fellowship with the Lord. That's the picture now in the psalm, because the family is headed in worship towards Jerusalem. And I want you to think about your role in this as parents, because, you know, by taking your children to church, you're giving them something to see. They ask questions. Why is church important? They see your example, just like Jesus saw the example of Joseph and Mary. They go along with you if you go to a Bible-honoring and preaching church, and they hear the Word of God. They hear the messages that you hear. The same Holy Spirit who speaks to their heart, speaks to your heart, speaks to their heart. And it is through this that God blesses us so richly. This is meant to be a vital 
critical part of our lives, our church life. And through it, God blesses us as individuals, and through it, God blesses our homes. It's meant to be that way, beloved. And so, ultimately, of course, we see what it has to say in verse number six, yea, and thou shalt see thy children's children. And when I think about that, and we think about the fact that what our hearts desire is more than anything else as Christian parents is to see our children follow in our faith. And then, of course, as life progresses, we become grandchildren and we pray and we so desperately want to see those children, our grandchildren, also come to faith in Jesus Christ and follow in the ways that we've taught our own children to go in. And there's some imagery in this. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 6 says, Children's children are the crown of old men. Then we have the example of Job, for example, in Job chapter 42 and verse 16 says, After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. What a blessing it is to, to see grandchildren and even more than anything else to see them go on and follow in the ways of faith, just as we have taught our children so that they raise them in the way that we raised our own sons and daughters, to know the Lord. And John brings the spiritual application of this out in the New Testament when he says in 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This is the ultimate blessing, I think, in life when we think about our worship. And we put all three things together now. God's blessings, beginning with that inmost ring, God's personal individual blessings that come to us through the fear of the Lord. And then as that goes on and life progresses, marriage comes and the home comes, and then after the normal pattern of life, children, if God so blesses, come into our home. If God blesses and our children come to know the Lord Jesus' personal Savior, and that's a thrill and a joy. What one of us hasn't agonized and prayed as our children were young and growing that they wouldn't come, that they would come to know the Lord. And then one day, all too quickly, they're gone. They're out of the home themselves. They find someone and the cycle repeats and they get married. And now all of a sudden, after those BC years before children, they have children. And sometimes we get impatient with this as, as parents. We want to see those grandchildren. And it's always good, though, for a couple to be able to have some time to adjust to marriage and to enjoy those BC years. But ultimately, the children come and, oh, then our hearts are full and we see the rich blessing of God in life. But the greatest is not just the physical children themselves, it's when those grandchildren go on to also find the faith of their moms and dads and the faith of their grandma and grandpa. This is the greatest, the widest circle of blessing, and we think of the role of the church in this. It begins in the home, but it's nurtured as we take our children to church, Sunday school, and they hear the things of the Lord, and they ultimately come to faith in Christ themselves and want to raise their children in the same way. This Mother's Day, I really hope that we can remember that God is the key to all of this. That's, that's the whole point of the psalm. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord that 
caused the pilgrim worshipers to leave, to go on a journey, to worship God in Jerusalem. And it's the fear of the Lord that is the key to our personal blessings as we come to know Christ as Savior, to our family blessings as we put Christ first in the home and have our devotions and teach our children in the ways of the Lord and put Christ first. And ultimately, as through the worship that we engage in as parents and our children and ultimately our grandchildren, those blessings spread to the furthest extent in life, those blessings of the home fostered, nurtured, and helped onward by the role of the church, godly pastors, Sunday school teachers, and others who help us in this momentous job of raising children. God is the key. The fear of the Lord is where it all begins. And may we remember that the author of every blessing, every good gift and perfect gift that we have is indeed from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither of shadow or turning. May the Lord bless you this Mother's Day. I trust once again that in spite of the fact that the coronavirus maybe prevents us from having some of these broader gatherings that we're accustomed to having on Mother's Day, maybe traveling to be with family during this time, still, let us treasure what God has given to us. Let us rejoice in his blessings. And as we think of mom and dad and children, let us realize that this is all God's idea and that he is the one who has given us these great blessings. Thank you for joining us today and may God bless you.